I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to another week of The Remedy with Tovacito. So happy that you all have joined us. And, you know, I'm just grateful for all, all of you that listen I, and all of you that let me know um, how much The Remedy means to you. Like when I get an Instagram message or a text message from somebody, in fact, I got one today from this precious girl named Madeline Croom. She's like, I have been devouring The Remedy. She said, I've been devouring The Remedy with everything going on. And I have to text you to say how much I love and think about you. Your conversations have kept my head on straight. Hope to see you soon. I think that's the first time we've ever heard that verb. <laughs> Anyone said they were devouring. I like it. I just really appreciate when people reach out and say how much they appreciate what we're doing. Feels good. Yeah. You too, Kev. Feels good that it, I can help you make a difference. Well, you <laughs> you make a difference. And our guest today, Janice, certainly makes a difference. Every time she's on. I mean, last week, that was like a vitamin B shot. <laughs> Didn't you feel that, Kev? Yeah. <laughs> it was such a good one. I have, I have listened to it twice. I think are, I did too, but I usually coughing. listen to him twice. Are you coughing? What's wrong with you, Janice? <laughs> Because I've been devouring popcorn. <laughs> you haven't been devouring the remedy? Um, no, but I would be better off devouring the remedy as, to, as opposed to popcorn and baked Cheetos. <laughs> I love how you say Cheetos. Um, so, Janice, we have to thank the um, sponsor of today's episode, which is Trish Alessio. I know. She oh. she Venmoed me this week and she said, This is for the next time Janice is on the remedy. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> she is one of my all time favorite people mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. She's just so cool and so beautiful and Isn't so, she? Yeah, she's really something special. Yeah. Very she really cool. is. I, and there's something she just has like this calming, cool presence and i mean you're right she's so beautiful you just stare i stare at her yeah yeah Whew. she's a beauty yeah. so thank you <laughs> trish we really appreciate oh, you sponsoring so um so janice thanks so much so those of you who are listening you're listening at any time of the day but we were supposed to record yesterday and then um carter's baseball thing got moved because of the rain and so Janice has been counseling for how many hours today? Is this seven, eight? eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's worn out. <laughs> so I may be. This is the first like... thing I've done today. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty. Uh, that's hilarious. I'm gonna be, I could possibly be dumb and dumber. <laughs> Please excuse me. No way. I doubt it. You'll be awesome. So, um, just I was thinking about uh, our conversation today when I was uh, in yoga this morning, and I was like, you know, I, I kind of feel like what we're talking about this week is kind of like what we talked about last week when I was like, I can't believe we've never talked about this before. But today we're talking about intimacy and vulnerability uh -huh. um, and how those, why those things are so important for in a relationship, what it looks like when it doesn't exist, what it looks like to have it and, and how, you know, if you've, if you are emotionally unavailable or if you have a hard time being vulnerable or being intimate, um, how do you, how, how do you learn that? How do you do that? Um, this is certainly something that I have encountered not only in my professional years, 
but in my personal life, you know, whether it's me or my kids or somebody I'm dating, you know, a lot of people have, um, a lot of people struggle with true vulnerability, true intimacy. And, and yet those two things I believe are critical to, to the health and wealth and longevity of any relationship. Would you agree, right. Janice? Y- yes, absolutely agree. I think that there are, I mean, for generations, people have had long-term relationships that are not particularly vulnerable and intimate. And we'll, I'll talk a little bit about intimacy in a minute, it, but, but they, because men for the most part have been um, taught to not talk about feelings and to not allow people to see them hurt. And women have been taught to put a smile on their face and act as if everything is okay and not be honest about how they feel about sex or about the relationship. And so being able to be known in a relationship can be scary for people. Mm -hmm. But what we're, what we're seeing now is that the, one of the things that happens with uh, men who have real trouble being intimate. And when I talk about intimate, I mean, into me, I love intimacy, defining it as into me, you see, and into you, I see. Mm -hmm. And I I know I've said that before, and it is, that is being vulnerable. It's like unzipping, I picture a zipper from the top of my head down to my belly button, and I unzip it, and I pull myself open and crack it open, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is how I really feel, this is what I really think. You know, and mm-hmm. it's and we're vulnerable because people may not like us when they know what we really think or what we're feeling. Yep. And or they may we may feel shame about that. And so it is. a But it's a block because you don't in order to be fully connected, people have to be fully known. Yeah. And that is, it's risky business. So it's so risky business and finish that sentence because you were going to say something. Sorry. Because people may go away. Yeah. If they see who we really are. Yeah. You know, and they, um, the, you know, relationships in order to get beyond the surface part of a relationship, there has to be a certain amount of vulnerability One of the things that has happened to men in the past is women, mothers, have emotionally enmeshed with their sons. And that is when the mother needs a son to make them feel happy or needs a son. Women call, you know, the son, my little man, my support, my, you know, my hero. And then my caretaker. Uh-huh, yes. On and then my emotional yeah. caretaker. Yeah. And sometimes physical caretaker. Mm-hmm. And and it can be it can be a woman to a daughter also, mm-hmm. or it can be a man to a son or a man to his daughter. But mm-hmm. what happens with that is that is called emotional sexual abuse and it is abuse. Mm-hmm. It is never ever ever a child's job to take care of a parent emotionally. Yep. You know, they, yep. my kids may have to put me in a home and you're in charge of making sure it's a really nice one. And <laughs> Got you, girl. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> They're not in charge of making me feel happy or right. safe or anything like that. Right. And so what happens with that, if, if the parent enmeshes with the child, then the child is going to run from trying to have that deep connection with a significant other. And so that's what creates that avoidant in relationships. So the person is when you really start getting below the surface, the person will tend to run. Okay. I never knew that that was, I never knew that that could be the result of enmeshment. So if and when a parent is enmeshed with a child, then they will need less from their spouse because of what they're getting from the parent. And so that creates a barrier 
between what the couple should be sharing? Is that what you're saying? Well, yes, sort of. But so, okay, so if you think about uh, sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. so sexual abuse is when a parent goes to a child Mm -hmm. or not, but let's say. Let's say it is um, the parent and the child. Let's say that. Mm -hmm. Okay, a parent goes to the child to have their sexual needs met. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it's trauma. It's not the child's job. And so the child feels a traumatic, like almost like a suffocation because your body's going to hold on to that abuse result. Mm. And so then what happens is then when somebody, so let's say somebody has been incested or molested then, and they come in my office and they have trouble being sexual with their partner then there's an emotional memory of like that because it's not their job. So they'll, it'll act Mm. itself out sometimes Mm. in the bedroom. So Mm. the same thing happens with an emotional abuse an emotional incest. When the parent does the child for the emotional nurturing, the child feels like a sort of suffocation around that because it's not a child's job. So then when the child grows up and then they start to have an intimate, emotionally intimate relationship with a significant other, they'll run from it because it feels like they got to get out of there. So that's an emotional memory from that childhood abuse. Mm -hmm. So whenever a child is abused, the body stores the energy from that. Mm Mm-hmm until they do a lot of work around it. Mm -hmm. And then whenever they're going to try to, whenever they experience that in a significant other relationship, they're going to try to avoid it by getting out of the relationship. Mm. So there's, there's, there's emotional intimacy, which is about being vulnerable about feelings. I feel sad. I feel angry. Being able to resolve conflict Uh, that sort of thing. There's intellectual intimacy when we share thoughts. This is what I believe. This is what I want. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And there's physical intimacy, which is about touch, which is like a holding hand or a hug or a, but a non-sexual touch. Mm -hmm. And then there's sexual intimacy, which is about, uh, intimacy for with the purpose of arousal. So it's touch with the purpose of arousal associated with it. Mm-hmm. So those are the different domains of intimacy. And when there's been in, any sort of enmeshment in their family system, those will be blocked because it's a defense mechanism that the child employs in order to protect themselves yeah. from the parent's inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Even if it's emotional. I, and I think sometimes, especially if it's emotional, and and I think it's what's so tricky about that is, you know, you look at you look at something like a sexual intimacy or sexual uh, not intimacy, sexual uh, abuse, abuse, and yeah. it's so obvious. Like you look at that, and it's so obvious that it's egregious, right? And you know, you hear about that if, you know, somebody knows somebody who was sexually abused and they say, oh, they were sexually, like, you gasp, it's horrible. But I, I'm sure you see, as well as I do, that the emotional abuse is just as damaging. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the the, the thing is, is that when it's overt, sexual abuse, people gasp, but when it's covert, and here's some examples of covert sexual abuse, like commenting on a teen, like a man commenting on a teenage daughter's breast, Mm -hmm. or even lurking at teenage daughter's friends, Mm -hmm. or pornography that is left sitting around, Mm -hmm. or watching X-rated movies with your children Mm -hmm. that have sexuality in them. Mm -hmm. It's a real, I mean, if they're watching it on their own, that's one thing, but when they're watching it with a parent, it's weird. Or sexual, a child hearing Mm -hmm. their parents have sex is sexual abuse. Yeah. 
and or a child, uh, a parent's talking about their sex life in front of the child. Yeah. You know, so there's that more of the of the covert, which you might not even be aware of. Even even um, like a like a father, you know, kind of ogling his daughter's friends. Yeah, that's so gross. <laughs> and that isn't it. And that sexual energy leaves their body and it goes out in the room, and yeah. then it, and then the child will, you know, suck it in. It's really creepy. Yeah, it is. Even just hearing that creeps me out. You know. Yeah, it's I'm, creepy. Yeah, it's really, yeah. So really that creepy. really does it. Really does impede a person's ability to have a really intimate relationship. And when you have all of those domains of relationship of intimacy met in a relationship then you're able to experience true spiritual intimacy. And, and then your sexual intimate experiences will be a ton better because you have such a deep connection on all levels. Oh, absolutely. Especially, especially for the woman. I mean, you know, especially for the man, because you're connected. And when you're truly connected, it just feels so different. But, but it seems it's been my experience that it's easier for men to, to not, they don't have to have the connection. And, and some women don't either. I mean, to be fair, but like to, to just have sex, but I think both genders if you want a truly intimate experience in the bedroom, you've got to be killing it outside of the bedroom. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you you've got to be showing be... up outside of the bedroom. Well, what that what that intimate connection, not sexual, but all the different domains of intimacy, what that does is it creates safety. Yeah. It yes. creates vulnerability, actually creates safety, even though vulnerability is really scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. If I t- if I say this or if I talk about feeling this, will that will they still be there? Yeah. Did or will I, they are, run? Are they going to think and, I'm crazy? Are they going to think I'm extra? Yeah. Are they going to think I'm too needy? Are they going to think I'm emotional? Um, exactly. Janice, yeah. what percent of humanity do you believe struggles with vulnerability you know i don't know what percentage but what, what would, would you say, give it what would you give it i have a percent would, but i'm interested i don't in know i'm gonna say 85 percent maybe I, I was gonna say 80 <laughs> you were <laughs> uh-huh. i was gonna say i think 80 percent of of i mean I know all about it. I know all of the perks of being vulnerable, and I still struggle with it. I mean, I know uh-huh. how important it is, how important it is to be intimate in in a and you need that to you know be successful in in all of your relationships and and yet it's something that that especially in my romantic relationship, I have a very, I'll do it. I do it, but I have, I will, and I will show up and I'll tell people what I need and I'll tell people what I think, but it's scary as hell for me. I mean, I have to think about it. I have to pray about it. I have to, I have to really, uh, you know, find my words. I often shake when that when the time for the conversations come, like I have to bring it up, I have to bring it up. Sometimes I, can, I even have to count to three. Like, okay, on three, you have to, you have to say it. <laughs> well, I, I, I know that that comes from, that's some sort of a woundedness from your childhood. Because, totally. Because we're born to be intimate. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, a, mm-hmm. and vulnerable, a baby mm-hmm. We kind of talked about it last last time is that a baby is going to cry. You're going to know where they are, but we're taught not to be real with people oh, yeah. because they might not like us. And so that shame 
that we develop that says, oh, no, 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 you can't talk about that. You can't say, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. I want this. That didn't feel good. I don't like that. I don't want that. I do want this. This would feel better for me. I mean, I struggle with all that. And so, you know, but that's because we've been taught, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. Be concerned about other people before yourself. And, and, you know, I think the thing that's interesting about it is, you know, scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So, and and we do that. We, we are going to love people to the degree that we love ourselves. So let it begin with me. Let me learn to really love myself and be true to myself and really know myself. Then I can be real with other people. I don't know if you remember me. I think I said this before, but. I remember standing in my closet one day and looking at my clothes and thinking this was a long time ago when I started really working on this stuff. And I thought, who bought these clothes? Mm. These, this is not me. Mm. This, and I, I was dressing the way they, people in the hood, my hood mm-hmm. wanted me to dress mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't me at all. You know, I had mm-hmm. shirts with a bunch of stuff dangling off of it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you were bedazzled. I was bedazzled. <laughs> now, I like a little bling, but not that much. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. I was never I just looked around me and thought they will tell me how to be. And even after I got my divorce and I very first started dating, very first guy I dated, I remember thinking I didn't He'd say, what do you want to do for dinner? And I'd say, I don't care. Or what do you want to, where do you want to go on Friday night? I, it doesn't matter wherever you want to go. You know, I mean, I never even gave myself an opportunity to really name it mm. until I really did my work and thought, well, who was that? Mm. That was that child, that 13 yep. year old that was taught to be nice and agreeable yeah. with men so that they'd like you. Yep. Yep. I read this yesterday, and it, I was thinking about it this morning. Um, I screenshot it so I could read it. It said, and I think I think you'll, I think it speaks to exactly what we're saying. It says, self betrayal might look like consistently changing your schedule to fit theirs, making excuses for behavior that has been upsetting to you, agreeing to things you truly don't agree to. Ignoring your needs to seem easygoing, doing most of the work to get it to work, moving more quickly than you'd like out of fear you'll be rejected if you do not, letting it go when you've been hurt or violated, and agreeing to less than what you truly want or need. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll post it. Yeah, that's so good. Isn't that so good? And when you do that, you will feel selfish. And self-care is always selfish. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with self-care. No. It's essential. It is essential. But we have been taught. I mean, I was taught to not need anything. And and if I needed something, I was... One of two things happened. Either I was a pain in the ass or nobody cared. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of people grow up like that. And so, and so you just teach yourself to not need anything. And then you realize at some point you actually do need things. Like I, I need and want a lot. Yes. I need and want a lot. And I am more than happy to give a lot. You know, it's, I want to hear what somebody else needs or wants, you know, and, and I want to be able to show up for them. And so it's, it's reciprocal and, 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 and it's not even in dating or marriage. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, I look at the relationship that I have with my kids, like it's so important for me to be vulnerable with my children. Sure. And it's so important for my children to learn from me that them being vulnerable and them needing things and them crying and them being angry 
and them, you know, having feelings, uh, all those things matter to me. I want to hear those things. I want to know those things because when we know those things about each other, then we're fully known. We fully know and we're fully known. And yeah, that's, and then you have, you have that deep connection that's legitimate. It's based on truth as opposed to based on a scheme Mm. to get you to approve or like me. And they, you know, when you're talking about a significant other relationship, it is, it is the, the baseline for it that is just so freeing to know that someone likes or loves the real you instead of the portrayal. Yeah. Yeah. That you put forward. Yeah. And nobody wins when that, when that's happening, nobody wins. No. And you know, there, I think I guarantee there'll be people who are listening to this, who've been married for a very long time. And they'll say, how many times do you say yes when you want to say no? And they'll say a lot. Wow. Because they don't want somebody to think they're too selfish or that they're not kind or or that they aren't are, committed or they aren't committed. Blah, blah, yes. Blah. Goes on and on. Yes. So Janice, so that, oh, go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead. So somebody who's listening to this, I was just thinking the same thing. Somebody who's been married a long time is listening to this and, and thinking, that's me. Like, I... I need things in my marriage that I don't talk about. I want things in my marriage that I don't say. I accommodate because I I don't want conflict or I don't it I don't want the risk, you know, that yeah. it's, it's too risky. And so I'm just going to sit down and be quiet and not say anything. I mean, I'm sure that you have seen, I know I've seen so many marriages fail and and disintegrate and end in divorce that did not have to go that way. If somebody had just spoke up before all the resentment and anger kicked in because their needs that they weren't expressing weren't being met. And so, as you have taught us, um, resentment is unmet expectations that we have, you know, that that we're not communicating. Yeah. A premeditated. Yes. A premeditated, say it, say it. So everybody can hear it. It's so good. A a resentment is a premeditated expectation. Yes. Or a premeditated, an expectation is a premeditated resentment. Yes. So we have all of these expectations. We have all of these things that we want or need in a relationship, but we're too scared to communicate it. But then time goes by Resentment builds up, and then all of a sudden, you're angry, you're cynical, you don't want to have sex, but nobody's talking about it. And then one day, you know, your husband walks through the door from work and says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want a divorce. And, you know, head starts spinning because, wait, where did this come from? It's like it's been happening all along. It was just the elephant in the room. And you and I have seen that often. And so first, go ahead, go ahead. So you, so love dies. Yeah. So love is, you know, love is based on truth. And when we don't Mm. live in truth, so if we present ourselves as being little miss perfect, but inside there, are, I'm saying yes to a whole lot of things that I really want to say no to. Mm-hmm. Then I am not, my love is not planted in fertile ground. Mm-hmm. It's, it's planted in rocky soil mm-hmm. because there's no place for it to grow. There's no depth to it. And so, because it's all surface and the roots can't penetrate rock. And so when we're real and we're vulnerable and we risk somebody being a little frustrated with us or we risk being in the bedroom and saying, I don't want to have sex tonight. I'm so tired. 
you know, rather than saying, oh, okay, and then looking at your watch and counting the minutes and thinking, okay, it's about seven minutes before he finally gets off and then I can go to sleep, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, is just there's no basis in that. There's yeah. no, there's nothing to sustain it. Yeah. You know, and then when you, you know, when you, when you risk being real, then all these other parts of the relationship start to get richer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. more depth to it. And then there's this deep connection because, yes, there are a lot of men who, you know, want to have sex, but men want connected sex every bit as much as women. Yeah, They don't want to be lied to. Mm-hmm. about sex oh yes i yes that's a hundred percent you know even I, if even if a woman says you know i'm really not in the mood tonight but if you really 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 want it i'll do it and the guy goes okay but that's a that's a contract i've contracted to do that you know and mm-hmm. then if once they experience this really deep connected sex that is both parties fully present and open for it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and there you go well, anyway, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say you kind of eliminate, eliminate the, you know, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am sort mm-hmm. of aspect of it. And it becomes something that is truly beautiful. Yeah. A gift and, and an, yeah. a, an asset to a relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I will say, I don't think it has anything to do with how long you've been married. I mean, I think that they, you know, no. the longevity of marriage sometimes gets a bad rap. You know, we, we used to have great sex, but, you know, we've been married 20 years. And then there's like that ho-hum thing. And yeah, like that yeah. doesn't have to be. That's just, I, I just, that it makes me sad when people say that. Because I'm like, that you, you you're accepting that or convincing yourself that this is fine. Like you have, you can do something about that. You can spice it up. You can make it better. You can just because you've been married for forever doesn't mean that you can't have a truly intimate connection sexually. Well, and I, I totally agree with you, Tova. And I think that what happens a lot of times is I think women will go into a, a relationship and they'll become, you know, you know, Patricia porn star initially in order. That's part of their marketing ploy. Some women mm-hmm. to hook the guy in and the guy's thinking, okay, I finally <laughs> found exactly what I've been looking for. And then once they get into it, it was an act. Mm-hmm. And so then to get them, if, to get them, to mm-hmm. hook them. And then guys can so tell you're basing act, the foundation Sometimes. on things that are not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the guy can feel that, can tell sometimes like this is being forced, like this isn't legit, you know, and it doesn't For make you feel sure. good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad you said that, Kev. Because, I mean, it Me is too. fun sometimes, you know, but you can also tell like because like Jana said, guys are looking for that connection as well. Yeah. I, I do believe that. I do believe. I do too, Kevin. Yeah. I believe it. Sorry, yeah. guys. I didn't mean to no, jump in there. No, I, wa- I love <laughs> when you jump in. Please jump in. So so my guess is, Janice, that people, you know, there's a ton of people listening right now who are like, that's me, that's me, that's us, that's us. And yet they have no idea how to get out of it. Like, how do you, if this has especially people who've been married for a long time and, you know, they they have sex in the same position at the same time for the same duration and they have for years, you know, it's just, and or they really don't have intimacy or vulnerability. They don't share that part of their relationship, but their marriage is functional and, you know, all the kids get to soccer and baseball on time. And so how... How does that, how do you, how do you work with a couple who wants it, but has no idea how to get it? Well, what you have to do is talk about it. 
You have to put words to it. Mm -hmm. This is my experience. This is what I want. This is what I like. This is what would make this more fun for me. Own your own stuff. You know, I may have, I, I, let's say, for example, a woman has the courage to say, you know, there have been many times when I've said, okay, I'll have sex, but I really don't want to. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want, I think the thing that's going to make me want to be more sexual is for us to sit down and talk at night mm -hmm. and for us to have a date night or check mm -hmm. into a hotel and spend the night in a hotel and really, you know, light candles or, or whatever it is. Or you hold my but hand you, every once in a while or tickle my back yeah, to sleep. Or, or, yeah, or, yeah. Give me a kiss when you walk in the door, and, you know, but it's about... So you, so it's about communicating. Yeah, Communicating is interesting. It's a very interesting thing because communication is one of the most intimate things we can do. Mm -hmm. and, but we have to be real. We mm -hmm. have to be legitimate. I have to know who I am, first of all, yeah. not who I'm supposed to be or who I should be, but who I am. This is my reality. And I would like for it to look different mm -hmm. or this is my reality and that part of it's great. Mm -hmm. But, but in other words, you, it's about knowing yourself so that you can be true to yourself and then you can be transparent with your partner because transparency is going to help with that connection. Absolutely. It's I, not rocket science. It is. It's scary. It is scary. <laughs> if you've never uh -huh. done it before, it really mm -hmm. is scary. And, and, and yet we're worth it. You know, every single yeah. person is worth living their truth. And, and, you know, it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's risky because you're going to say what you want or say what you need. And there's a chance that one, they, they don't want to do it. You know, yeah. they don't want to do yeah. it or that they it or they don't care or they I mean it is risky because because you cannot control how the person on the other side of you is going to respond but and you might not get it and you might not get and, it exactly yeah. which is really scary and sad like okay I put myself out there and I told him what I wanted and I'm still not getting it and that's heartbreaking and it, but yet at the same time, you'll never get it if you don't ask about, ask for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, ask for wasn't what it you want, Michael Jordan, you, you don't want. make any shots you didn't take? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, um, so one thing that, uh, um, oh, what was I thinking of? Um, oh, one, th this is something that came to my mind when you were talking about how important it is to speak your truth. One thing that I've learned from you, Janice, is I know for, it's been my experience that when I can, when I'm vulnerable and, or I go to somebody, whether it's my kids or the person I'm dating, um, and I tell them something that I want or something that I need or something that I would like to change, or it's it's really important to me and for me how I go about that. Because there's a chance that the person on the other side of me, if I don't say it well, they're going to feel very defensive about, um, about what I'm asking for, what I'm requesting. And so, you know, you have reminded me when, when I go and, and talk to whomever about whatever, you start those conversations with I. Mm -hmm. and I want, I think, I feel. Yes. My experiences. Yes. Yeah. Instead of, hey, you don't, you don't hold my hand enough and you never touch me and you have a really difficult, and it's really hard and you need to be more da 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 and so all of a sudden, I mean, okay, you're, yes, you're communicating what you want <laughs> and you're being quote unquote vulnerable, but you're doing it in such a way that they immediately get on the defense. And instead of hearing what you want, they're, they're building a case for, to fight back because of the, 
the presentation. Does that make sense? Well, Am I making yeah, sense? And criticism, criticism is a distancer. So it's like putting space between me and someone else where I want connection. Yeah. So you want to be very careful about criticism, shame, and blame. You yeah. always, you never, why don't you, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because it really is, it is going to, people are just human and they're going to, they're going to tend to not listen without defensiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And you might want all those things and they might not be doing any of those things, but it's really, I have learned it's really, really, really important how I go about it. Right. Right. And when I, you know, even, you know, I will say to Tom, I'll say, would you be willing to do blah, blah, blah? Or would you do blah, blah, blah? Or I would like for you to do blah, blah, blah. Then I'm just opening that door and, and he can say, yeah, no, I don't think I want to do that. And I say, okay, you know, but it, but it's not, but he's not going to get defensive. If if any, because offense creates defense Mm -hmm. and that is not going to be intimacy. Right. I, I love hearing all those birds. I mean, you always have the best birds in your background, Janice. The best birds? Birds. Uh, birds. Birds. Birds chirping. The sounds oh, of nature are always very birds. abundant. Oh, in, uh, there's so many birds. Well, I'm at the lake, and all these, on, on Tuesday, they have a fishing tournament. And a few minutes ago, about an hour ago, there were like 50 boats that darted out of the marina and came across. We're kind of in a channel. It's really fun. So there's so many noises out here. Oh, well, I just keep hearing birds and me I too, love it. They're good, good. sounds. <laughs> good. It makes me so happy whenever I hear that. Makes me happy too. <laughs> Don't hear many birds in a soundproof studio. No, no that's you true. That's you can really see them sometimes, probably, but... They do sometimes. Some you can see them. But. Yeah, come up here on the little perch. Yep, the only thing loud enough to hear through are the uh, leaf blowers and lawnmowers. <laughs> Which we've been missing lately. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I loved, I loved that advice. Um, Janice, like just speak your truth, just, but it, it takes vulnerability in my opinion, in my experience, it's, it's a practice. It yeah, really, it's not for sissies. No. (laughs) And it's not for sissies. And Uh -uh. it, it is a practice, and yet it's something that, I mean, I feel like that that is is such a gift that I can teach my children, like kindly speaking their truth. Yeah. Um, and kindly asking for what they need and how, I mean, we have a lot of dialogue about that, but, you know, our family of origin gives us those tools. Um, or not. Yeah, or not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where mm-hmm. it all stems from. Yeah. Or doesn't stem from. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Um, so how, do you think that more men or women struggle with this, Janice? I think more men do probably just because they don't, they don't, sit around the boardroom saying, how are you feeling about things, you know, or they're not, you know, on the football field, they're not talking about being afraid of the, of the linebackers that are really huge or, you know, it's more surface. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's been, it's just been in our culture for so long. Real men don't cry Mm -hmm. sort of a, sort of a mentality. And as women, I think we have a huge role in getting what we want by helping men to do that, to be able to say, talk to me. Are you, are you angry? And then they might say, well, yeah, a little. Okay, well, talk to me about that. What's going on? And then listen to them and be like, okay, I hear you. No, you're right. I did do that. And let's you know, blah, 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 blah. So you, you have to, to nurture a safe, a safe space in your relationship for that, 
once a guy gets it, they get it mm-hmm. because they're starving for it. Mm-hmm. I, that's such a good reminder, Janice, that how important it is when somebody comes to you with something vulnerable, how, mm-hmm. how important it is that we care for that. Gingerly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally agree. You know, uh, I think I've shared this before. I think I shared it with you uh, years ago when, yeah, yeah, as you know, Carter is my feisty one. Um, yeah. My feisty little son. And sometimes, I mean, he and I'm feisty too. And so there's, we had a tendency, we had this dynamic that he and I, if either one of us heard something that we didn't want to hear, we could, we could fly off. You know, we could spin off and react poorly instead of responding wisely. And, uh, and so we sat, I sat him down one time and we, we were, he was in like fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And I said, you know, you and I need to both work on this better. And, and I said, what if, what if when we had something difficult to tell the other person, either either difficult to say or difficult to hear, we started that conversation with, hey, mom, I got to talk to you about something that's really difficult for me to say. Or, hey, Love mom, that. I've want to talk to some to you about something and it might be difficult for you to hear. And I wish I'd had that kind of dynamic with my parents growing up. No, I really do. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, but it's saved us a lot of convert, a lot of conflict because what it does is it immediately, I mean, we made a deal, you know, what, however many years, six, six, seven years ago, like, okay, when shit, when shit could fly instead, (laughs) instead of us reacting poorly, we're going to try to respond wisely, but that heads up of, hey, Ma, I got mm-hmm. to talk to you about something that might be hard for you to hear. Or, hey, Ma, I got to talk to you about something that's really hard for me to say. Then now I'm prepared. Now yeah. I'm in the mindset of, okay, I really need to take my defense down. I, I need to be compassionate, empathetic to the fact that I may not like what I'm about to hear, but this is really hard for Carter. Yes. And it yeah. may not be the biggest thing that's going to happen in his life, but those are real feelings and that's real emotion. It's a real and issue at that time. scary as hell for yeah. the fifth grader. And kids will, yeah, cram it down yeah. and then you'll channel it in the wrong directions, you know, yeah. when you explode or something. I mean, yeah. I'm talking yeah. older than him at that time, but still, I think that having that, um, that kind of situation is very, very beneficial. Yeah. I wish I had yeah. that with my parents growing up. Well, yeah. It's, it's it's great because also it 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 gives some space for people to breathe mm-hmm. before they hear it or before they say it, and, and that and that's going to help. And the choice uh, for me to say, "Hey, Carter, I'm I am not in a good headspace right now to hear something mm-hmm. like that. I'm going to go take a shower, and I'll be back. And can we have this conversation in an hour? Yeah." So I can be in the right mindset to hear whatever it is. Yeah. That's going to be a long hour for Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I think, I think the same thing is true for our marriages. I mean, some, yeah, you know, we have, we're going to have hard and relationships. We're going to have hard conversations. Absolutely. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have to say things that we don't want to say and that they don't want to hear. And yet, they need to be said and they need to be heard. And so setting it up, I think just, yeah, for me has been a really helpful thing. Yeah. A really helpful I exercise. Agree. I mean, it's strange. I like when, it. Oh, I'm sorry, Janice, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I call that putting a little lotion on it before you throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of slides like a little tenderizing. In. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little olive oil on the meat. <laughs> yeah, a little or olive marinade. oil on the meat. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, we're winding down, Janice. Any last-minute tidbits or tips that you have? Any other thoughts? No, not really, except just to say risk it. It's worth it. Yeah. See what happens. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You don't, you're not really good at it, and somebody doesn't hear it. 
correctly or the way you want them to and then you examine it and think could I've said that differently and and you know it's a it's a practice and it is not difficult once you get going because you are worth it you are worth being vulnerable and transparent because it will enrich your life and that's what this is about this is about your life being better yep so and you're worth you're you're worth being heard you're worth being heard. Yes. And you know what? Sure. If you have a need or a want or a feeling and you share it and the person on the other side of you doesn't care or or it doesn't matter to them, well then that's that's also information, you know? And Yeah, that, I, I think that's gonna be rare too. I think totally most people rare. are gonna wanna hear it. Yes. But I do yeah. I I totally agree with you. But I think that to your point, the only reason I bring that up is to your point, regardless of the outcome, you living in your truth, even if, even if, and then fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's the best thing for us as people is to, to live in our truth. And we are worth that. We're worth that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Amen, sister. <laughs> Janice, I mean, this flew. 51 minutes. Bam. I know. God, girl. Thank you so much for staying up past your bedtime to talk with us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now you it can. Is, it is 620. <laughs> <laughs> I know Lake Life, girl. <laughs> it's time to have a glass of wine and go to bed. <laughs> well, I tell you what happened that last night that thundered and lightning all through the night. And I wasn't scared, but I was awakened numerous times. So I will probably be down about nine. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, that's the best part of yep. being at the lake. Ooh, uh, no he kidding. sleeps so good. No kidding. I love you, Janice. Have a beautiful love evening. You too, and thank you. Love thank you, Kevin. Kevin. Thank you, Janice. Okay, guys. Bye.